0: Welcome to the first episode, first recorded episode of 2024 for the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. I am your host, Lauren Falk, and I am joined today by Lance Matthews. Lance has been the head coach for Muskego Girls Soccer for the past six years. And he has won three state championships, as well as they've been nationally ranked various throughout at various times throughout his entire tenure with the team. So outside of that, Lance is an outdoors sports enthusiast, husband, dad, chemistry teacher, and so much more. And a very entertaining patient, I must say. Um, So needless to say, I'm not really sure when or how he sleeps because he does a million things, I swear. Um, But I'm really excited today to learn about his insights as a high school soccer, girls soccer coach, and a successful one at that. I've been lucky to know Lance for at least five years. We were trying to do the math. Um, and not only, uh, so I've known him for a long time, but I really look forward to having Lance share his experiences and perspectives with all of you today. So first of all, Lance, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Yeah,
1: I'm honored. I'm, I'm excited for the conversation and <laughs> yeah, looking forward to what we can dive into.
0: Awesome. So Lance, just to get us started off, share with us a little bit about your background in soccer.
1: Yeah, so I was born and raised in Green Bay, Wisconsin, more of a football town mm-hmm. than uh, than soccer, but um, just grew up playing um, just in the neighborhood and played, started at the recreational level and then moved to club once my parents like found that space um played club soccer until high or kind of through high school um played at the high school level and then expanded once I went to UW lacrosse uh just played on their club team uh, because they didn't have a varsity men's team Um, but then yeah from there got into coaching Um, I was a ref since I was younger as well so kind of hitting all all aspects of the game but I always had a passion for it. And uh, my brother and I just grew up kind of eating, breathing, living soccer.
0: So, yeah. It's interesting. I didn't know that you refed before. It's a very interesting perspective being a referee versus a player, a referee versus a coach, because you probably get a unique opportunity to kind of see things from both sides of the coin on some level or it gives you yeah. different perspective on the game a little bit when you're working in either position
1: definitely it was fun because I got to see a lot of the younger kids when I was first learning to ref I was working with the younger ages yeah and then slowly tried to get my way into some higher level games and you get to learn a little bit about the fans and the parents and the passionate soccer moms and soccer dads <laughs> um I remember as a 16 year old being told to get a real job um <laughs> as a center ref in like a U12 game oh my um, but God. Yeah, it was it was always a fun fun job and paid cash, so it was it was good.
0: <laughs> it's awesome. Get a get a better job. That's amazing. So, kind of had a, you know just a general experience with soccer and things like that growing up. So, what was the transition or the decision to get into coaching then?
1: Um, I think as I phased out of being able to commit to playing, I had just a lot of other things going on, a um, few friends, like getting married. So I wasn't available on the weekends. Just wanted to focus on getting my degree. Um, so I phased out of playing, like being more involved with the with that side of it. And then got to know a couple of people that were coaching in the lacrosse area, got me into the club space, coaching, got me into the high school space, coaching, figured it was good a good resume builder, uh, as becoming a teacher. So that kind of kicked me off and I've been coaching ever since. So.
0: Gotcha. Very cool. Everyone's got a very different path as to how they ended up into the coaching space. And it's always interesting to hear people's past and what got them there. So one thing I really like to highlight, especially with high school coaches, is that, I mean, like you're saying, like you have all these parents watching you coach, like thinking this is your number one thing you do in life when really like you're a teacher first, you know, and I think that's sometimes something that people often lose perspective on or forget that like, actually your primary job is to be an educator first, you have a subject matter that you teach, you know, and coaches second to that if you want to say that within your workspace, you know. And um, so I'm, I'm dying to know this answer because chemistry and I just don't have a very good relationship with one another. So I just really want to know what made you want to be a high school chemistry teacher.
1: Um I guess through my high school experience, I had a science teacher that I had for three years for like the like the basic freshman level science and for chemistry and physics. Mm -hmm. And he had a just a really positive impact on me. Um just helped me kind of fall in love with science and the process and just being very process oriented and working toward kind of the solution to the to a problem. Mm-hmm. I liked how it was just very kind of set in stone, like this is how you do it. And it was gratifying once you find the, the final answer there. And I like being hands-on, like in the lab and being a teacher, wanting to have kind of a mix between talking instructing but also being in in the lab and getting those kids to get hands on and get involved with all that um i've only set the fire alarm off three times Um, (laughs) but getting the kids just to see like some fun stuff kind of throw it in there and get some more engaged and makes the makes the job more fun for sure
0: So you'll appreciate this. So for anyone that's listening that is ever wanting to get into like the health sciences, obviously chemistry is a common one. And even in physical therapy, we have to have chemistry in college. And so I took chemistry at in my undergrad. And then as I was taking extra classes at Marquette prepping for PT school. So story number one, in freshman year chem, we were doing like a copper lab where you break it down Uh, you know using various compounds and so on and so forth and again not my strong suit because like to me particles are kind of imaginary like they're out there somewhere like I need a body like I can understand biceps and triceps because I could see it I could see how it functions like all these mythical chemistry things I probably needed you as my teacher but anyway so we're in this lab and we're going through breaking all this stuff down we throw in a piece of aluminum foil into the compound that we had and all of a sudden the copper reappeared and I was like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) and my teacher's like what just happened I was like it reappeared and he goes or there was a negative ion balance that occurred and he said so and I was like uh yeah I should write this down in my lab notebook right now whatever he just said is what I'm gonna say just happened because I clearly had no clue what had just happened and the man like definitely shook me off and was like oh brother who is this person Uh and then story number two we were I was in chemistry at Marquette so just let you know like a good decade later since I last had chemistry and again we were doing another lab of like mixing it was like a mystery lab where you had to like you know combine things then you'd eventually figure out what the mystery substance was and there are different chemicals under two different hoods and so you like go over to one like you answer a question you figure something out you go over one bring it over whatever and so uh, mine like didn't react because <laughs> it was like supposed to turn a color. And we had this poor um, foreign TA and I went up to him. I was like, so mine did not turn purple. Should we be concerned about this? And he's like, well, what ones did you grab? And I was like, well, I grabbed that one from over there and that one from over there. And he looked at me with this like face of horror and quickly grabs my concoction and puts it under the hood and shuts it. And they had to call the like chemical response team because he wasn't sure what it was going to do. <laughs> so nice. this is why I ask you about why did you choose chemistry? Because clearly I lack chemistry skill sets. And I will be very honest with every person listening to this. I just barely got through chemistry by the skin of my teeth. But thank God I'm a better, uh, I'm better at physical therapy than I am at chemistry. So (laughs) it's more or less one of those steps you just have to um, survive, if you will, in PD school. Um, But anyways, so that's why I always want to know. I'll bet maybe if I had you as my chemistry teacher, maybe I would have done a little bit better. (laughs) Uh, Because I clearly did not learn the process.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you are doing all right for
0: yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm making it work. I'm making it work. Um okay so I digress but I think it's important to know these things and other things about you too cuz like I said high school coaches are not just coaches they are teachers and they have other roles in their life as well and I think it's really important to appreciate that you put a lot of time and effort into your teaching as well as your coaching. Um so then when you got into coaching high school girls soccer how did that happen?
1: Yeah I had a uh, landlord actually who was connected coaching at a local high school and they needed a JV girls coach. Um, I was, I was working in the club space, like I mentioned earlier, but he, and he was involved in both arenas as well. And then he was actually the Viterbo women's coach. Oh. So he was a good connection to have. He got me set up with a team and kind of got me rolling just to get the experience and, it was fun, but it was definitely more on the recreational side, just being a smaller school at the JV level, uh, but definitely started to teach me a lot about how to manage people, larger groups, um, and and learning a couple of um, like coaching points from people who have been around the space for a while mm-hmm. just helped me then apply it as I kind of moved up and got into teams that were more and more competitive.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And as you know, I think you're, you're like a culmination of everything you've been around and the different things you kind of absorb from others that you've kind of followed and things like that. I, I, there's not one coach that I've met that'll say like, This is the only, this is the only way I do it. And this is why usually it's like, well, I got this from this person, this from this person. Sometimes you learn what not to do by people. Sometimes you learn what to do, but you know, that's what paves the way for you to shape your own culture and coaching philosophies and things like that. And I think it's always interesting to see where people draw those things from. So in your, in the recent years, your program and Muskego in general has been a very dominant athletics program. When you started the team, where was it at? What what was your vision for the team? Start us there.
1: Yeah, so I started in Muskego in 2011-12 school year Mm -hmm. and was coaching under um, a guy, Eric Hess, um, who coaches at Elmbrook. He's coached kind of around the area and just was a super good role model for me, taught me a lot about um, coaching in general. But the team that we had that year, I think we won like three or four games. Um, We just weren't super competitive, but slowly started kind of building up. Um, We're getting some athletes that weren't necessarily soccer players, but trying to do our best during the few months we had them. And um, once Hess kind of handed the program over to me, um, we had been to state, I think, four years in a row. And it was, there's a little bit of pressure, like, all right, it's your turn now. Let's see what you got. Um, But we had always come to that first game in the state tournament and then just kind of got smacked. And it was like, all right, we've, we've got to do something different um, to, to kind of get over that next hump and, and hit some of the goals that we want to hit. So I think the big change um, that, I brought in with the coaching staff that I had, and then the coaches in our building was just strength training. Mm-hmm. Um, we were starting to get more and more kids with soccer experience, yep. but then getting them the strength training that they needed to just get to that next level um, transformed our our whole high school, really.
0: Yeah, um, I would say that's a theme across a lot of your sports there.
1: Yeah, and, and it's awesome to see – even in the area, schools are starting to catch on to that same concept. Mm-hmm. And these high school kids are leaving high school with so much more than I ever oh, yeah. thought possible. I mean, I I don't think I touched a weight in high school as a soccer player because the soccer coaches thought, did. no, that you're wasting time. Yeah. You need to spend more time on the soccer field, and that's the only place you're gonna get better. Yeah. Um, and now it's that's not the the idea. And that's why uh, kids and programs are reaching heights that have never been seen before.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I can say it personally from the sports medicine space, looking at the evolution of kids that we've treated their training knowledge when it comes to strength and conditioning, just their general athleticism. Like you see it in the combines, just how much more these athletes are producing as they're coming out of high school and college and stuff like that. It's wild. And I think from your, like from your space where you're at, I think, and I've been lucky to work with a handful of high school kids at your school and work with them in strength training and injury prevention, stuff like that, like watching it empower them, especially female athletes, watching them be confident in the weight room is really cool as step one. And then learning the importance of that role for them, both health wise, athleticism. And then when you watch a out on the field and just watch like how much easier they're running, how much more aggressive they're being, how much more they can do on the field and watching them figure that out. It's, it's a really cool thing to see as you're watching the evolution of a high school player, you know, be exposed to these things and then nevertheless, a team where you start to see those pieces come together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll touch on it in a little while, but the confidence piece is just becoming more and more of a, a new world for a lot of teachers and coaches um, just kind of developing these people and, and helping support them on the mental side as well Um, just to help kind of create that whole athlete and get them ready for the next level is a big part of the stuff that we do. That's, that's not on the soccer field that I think helps lead to some success.
0: I like what you said about developing these people. Like, You're a coach, you're a teacher, but really the influence you are having is shaping them as a person and, you know, their experiences, their ability to tolerate things, you know, their, you know, there's just so much that you probably can't even measure what you have as an influence on these kids and to view it as shaping them, I think is really important because it's easy to just view it as I'm their soccer coach. It really is. Um, But when you take it to that next level, I think that makes all of your actions and, you know, thoughts much more purposeful with every interaction you have with the team um, when you view it through that lens, which I think is a really important thing to remember and to appreciate as a coach. So that kind of leads us into our next question, but I'm sure that this holds true. I was wanting to touch on what influences teaching you, you know you're being a teacher especially at the school you're coaching at what influence does that have on you being a coach
1: being in the building I think is a crucial part uh, to being a high school coach or just having someone on your staff at least uh, because you get to know the kid and what those kids are are going through what's all on their plate I mean we have players who are stars in the musical we have Players who are involved in just so many other things that when they step on the soccer field for our training session, it's we get to see them for an hour or two, and they have so much more that they're coming to. So if they're off a little bit, they're they're tired that day. Being a teacher helps me kind of see and have those um conversations and get to know them a little bit. Like, what did you do this weekend? What did what what mm-hmm. do you like to do? Outside of chemistry, outside of soccer. Yeah. Um, and and then we get to kind of fight some of those challenges with them, um, help them learn and grow. Like, yeah, okay, your musical is running at this time and we have training at this time. Like, how can you navigate mm-hmm. um your decisions and yeah, just kind of supporting them through those and working with them, learning commitment and learning responsibility and yeah, all the good things.
0: Yeah, and help. Yeah, helping them see the whole picture, and but it helps when you get that chance to see the whole picture too. Because I'm sure there's some days that you could tell, even in school, kids are fried, and it's like maybe today is not the day to push. <laughs> right. You know, it, it just kind of keeps your finger on the pulse a little bit more too. I'm sure, but I would also assume too on some level, as you're used to structuring lessons and education and things like that that you're teaching in the classroom. I would almost think whether you. Um, think of it directly or not, but I would assume that it has somewhat of an influence of how you approach your practices on some level as you're used to instructing and building concepts or, you know, things like that versus just having at it. I would think that just the natural influences of being a teacher brings a different skill set to your coaching approach at times too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't just, start doing complex math problems at 7 30 in the morning, first thing every every day. Exactly. Um yeah, kind of get them going, get them started. And then yeah, building on on things and concepts and always collecting feedback, always asking them questions to kind of get to know where they're at, testing them, figuring out yeah, where are their weaknesses, where are their strengths and and kind of working together in the process because I, I can't share the information that I have and get through to them if I don't understand the way that they think and the way that they operate.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like you very much operate like a two-way street in your culture.
1: Yeah. And I think that comes off maybe sometimes to parents as like a weakness, like, oh, wow, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's, he's changing his philosophy. He's changing what he's doing based on asking the high school kids what they think. And <laughs> I think on the field or on the sideline, I think that's been some of our our best moments is just like getting a pulse from some of our leaders, like some of the kids we've built up, um, asking them what they think, like, where, what do you want out of this? What, where do you want to go with this? And then just helping us navigate that together as a group.
0: It creates more ownership for them if it's something that they buy into and something that they feel strongly about and if you as a coach can embrace it you know um it's easy to just function as a dictator and just run your show and tell them go pound sand like this is what we're doing you know buy-in may be a hair more challenging but even on like professional team levels they are finding that you know if you ask the quarterbacks hey what are some ideas of some plays you want to run or what's a f- Like, I mean, it's been all over when you watch the shows that show the inside of all these sports. Now you see that they're coming up with these ideas, which is, and the coaches are trying to embrace it because it gets them more excited about it. It gets them more involved and creates more ownership. And, you know, it, it, there is something to be said about that cultural shift of engagement. Um, because it also, like you're saying too, it also allows them to take some responsibility more if that's some of their ideas. You know, so it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it's not necessarily that um, you know, it's the inmates running the asylum. It's that you're getting collaboration and giving them guidance to use that collaboration, you know, and and ultimately, I mean, not to downplay it, but like it's high school soccer. You know, that's the beauty of it, is like there's not a national championship on the line. It's a great opportunity to learn and be who you are and be good at what you do and be around people you enjoy and there's a lot to be learned and experienced from that, whether win, lose or draw, you know? So, yeah,
1: yeah, sure. I mean, they're high school girls. They will always care more about prom than they do about the game that week. <laughs> so, you know, where you um, rank in, in. Yeah. I mean, and <laughs> so just in, remember
0: that. And then you're good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Playoffs are always around graduation and they'd rather take pictures with their friends than be at <laughs> training. But yeah, it's all but part we just of the, roll process. With the punches. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, so, you know, I just think that these are fun things to get insight to that you don't always get insight to. So um, part of the reason why I brought you on this podcast is that I was fortunate enough to meet you, I was originally working with one of the Muskego coaches, CJ Michaud, who, um who is the head boys um, cross country and track coach. I don't know. He's worn multiple hats, so I'm just going to call it that. <laughs> um, and he was the coach for some of the athletes I was treating at the time. Um, and while I was working with some of his athletes for injury and performance purposes, he had kind of connected you and I, and during that time you had brought us in to work on with your team on some education, some performance testing and active warm-up. Um, can you share with our listeners about why you thought this was important for your team and why you wanted to take the time to do this?
1: Yeah, I think going back to the point that you, you made, made earlier, um, I'm a, I'm a teacher first. I'm trained as a teacher. I have experience coaching soccer, um, but I can only kind of learn and grow so much. So I, I, I lean on a lot of other people who have been there before. A lot of people that have just learned some really cool things. And the more I listen and collaborate and talk to people in their space, like, like CJ, for example, I, we don't, do exactly the same sport that we don't do the, exactly the same things, but he's taught me a lot about, um, different mobility work and, um, how to just train aerobic anaerobic. I mean, he talks a lot about cool science behind sport. Um, so I've learned a lot in that regard and that's yeah. where he pointed to you guys and, and had a lot of great things to say about how you, you treat an athlete and how you make it not necessarily like sports specific, but like these kids do have a lot of load in certain areas if they are soccer players mm-hmm. and, you know, the science behind being a female athlete be, uh, versus being a male athlete and which injuries are more prone to. Um, I needed help. I I wanted help. I wanted to Do everything I could to help put these girls in the best place they could to to do their best work and to maximize our potential. And a lot of times, that is just me shutting up, getting out of the way, and bringing people in that that know the know the next thing to do. So,
0: yeah, no, I agree. Like I was when I talk to teams like yours, you say I always remind them, you know, your your coach is a teacher first, like. You have to know everything there is to know about chemistry that you're teaching. You have to know as much as you can know about coaching. How could you know everything else about strength training, nutrition, injury prevention, volume control, like all these other things, like you can only be an expert at so much. Um, And that's why we enjoy trying to give you guys that resource so that we don't have to do that legwork. And it was a natural marriage between your philosophies um, and things you were already doing there. And our philosophies, and so it was really kind of fun to bring those in, you know. Because um, and for you to create that time and space for us to be there, you know, like you kind of talked about earlier. Sometimes you only have so many hours with these girls. You know, you're always competing for their time between school, other commitments, family stuff, and your own sport. That sometimes coaches will say, you know, I just I don't have a lot of time with these girls. I don't know if I could give you a handful of hours and you said no like we will make time for this and i think that says something about a program when they want to make time or give of their limited time that they do have to um you know provide their players with these resources you know yeah i
1: mean and it was no uh, i mean no fluke that through our school starting to get more involved in strength training and getting more resources um like the kinetic team like they they started to have more success teams started to find what it, the extra that it took to win um and we built on that quickly um which was it was fun and it also like taught us all a lot about i mean what supports these kids in the best way and and then we get to watch them play and see them do things that they didn't even know they could and yeah. that's the best part of it
0: yeah so a couple of the things that we've done with you that you worked to find ways to make them fit in your program we did an active warm up with you um you guys still strength train we also did a body weight strength training program um where how did you fit these into your regular programs life cycle if you will you know how did you make space for those things
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in that a lot of the girls play club and Mm -hmm. a lot of there are quite a few people who think that club and high school have to be enemies or they have to be different. Mm -hmm. Um, The girls that come to the to play at Muskego, a lot of them play at a high level club. They learn a lot about soccer. They learn a lot about the game um, and but they maybe don't get as much time with the strength training work, or they get overloaded. Um, They're trying to train with their club and play high school at the same time. That's where getting to know them, getting to know each kid, what's their schedule look like. Mm -hmm. Some of them are training seven days a week and they think that's the best thing to do is just overload, overload, play more, work more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think slowing down a little bit, taking the time to, address some of these like deficiencies, or we see that they're getting injured more often, like let's find ways to try and prevent that the best that we can. Um, I like the analogy you guys use is predicting the weather. Um, just trying to help, (laughs) help them have the best chance at staying on the field as long as they can and staying healthy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's no, I don't think it's, I mean, I could say it's no fluke, but I I guess I'm a little biased to it, but You know, you've had some very healthy years in the years that you have won. Yeah,
1: and those were the years that we started to work with you guys. um, And we've used that strength training. We've used that to, like, slow us down a little bit and to decrease the load. They have a lot on their plate with with school and everything else. So they don't need a ton of extra like work during season they get a lot of that just from the competitive maybe hour hour 15 during training and then we tie in some good active warm-up some good strength training kind of throughout the week and balance with some games and it leads them to a to feeling good um, playing good and playing for the full season a lot of times
0: absolutely work smarter not harder (laughs) I mean, that's just the thing, and and you know this because you've kind of grown up in the soccer world and seen it go through the generations, and I have too, is that there's there's just a lot of different philosophies that are still out there, and kind of the more traditional view is volume, reps, 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 practice, 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 and kind of this newer system that's coming in is trying to find a little bit of balance between all the things that need to be done, um, that self-care you know, the strength training, you know, finding spaces for all that. And, you know, I think it's important to see that, you know, here you have a very successful team with a coach who has, you know, taken in the concept that, you know, there is a balance between having a balance between club and high school that, you know, sometimes we can't do all the things. Sometimes we have to trade off and just choose to do some recovery work and prep you know there's a balance in all of that and i think that it's really refreshing and good for people to hear that these things you can take time for these things and still be a very productive team and not have to be out on the pitch for hours uh you know hours and hours and hours in order to be successful and i say that saying that there's no one recipe for success either you know, but obviously this has been a recipe for sex, for success for you guys in the last couple of years. And there's something to be said for that. Um, and you can never put your finger on the one exact thing that has brought you to that point. Don't get me wrong. We can't say, Oh, we didn't act warm up. That's why we won. But you know, it's the culmination of everything that came together that allowed for them to be healthy, engaged, you know, strong, prepared, you know, not overloaded, not overwhelmed. And that allows for them to be successful in so many different spaces, physically, mentally, all of that stuff. And I just think it's important that people get the opportunity to hear that there are coaches that are willing to make trade offs to find balance and still find success. Um, but yeah, so I think that's a pretty cool thing that you guys have done in your space for sure. And what I really look forward to watching continuously as these years go on. So speaking of injuries, (laughs) so unfortunately during this whole time that I've known you, you've actually suffered a few injuries. One of which we remembered we treated online during COVID pretty impressive work done there as we uh, did zoom PT. Um, but share with us, you know, um, A little bit about you know your injury and how that had an effect on you on your maybe even just on your training and coaching decisions as you brought us in and things like that just even reflect on just that injury and how it's affected your coaching to start before we go much deeper
1: yeah so i've been fortunate enough like it during my time playing kind of throughout the first part of my life um that i didn't never really suffered any major injuries Mm -hmm. um and then as i continued in my 20s like learning strength training learning um the process i just started to notice like my athletic performance was increasing dramatically i was having a lot more fun i felt like i was getting better i wish i had started earlier Mm -hmm. Uh, but like kept pushing myself pushing myself like until eventually, I found a limit, um, and had like some nagging injuries that were probably overuse, mm-hmm. um, and then ended up with kind of a fluke injury. I think I, I still blame the the basketball court um, more than I blame. I think blame that's a
0: fair statement
1: because I'm I'm the person that was there twenty minutes early to warm up. Oh, um, I was there trying to do do it all right but sometimes you you think you're doing everything right and it just yeah. doesn't work out but athletic yeah tearing my ACL and meniscus uh so that put me on crutches for 8 weeks and um it, it was just a long rehab process but the first time in my life where I had a lot more trouble identifying as an athlete because I could barely like carry my plate to the dishwasher um so there's a lot of challenge that goes into the to the injury. Mm-hmm. But I think surrounding yourself with a good team um helps make that part of it a lot better. I've I've helped some of our athletes through the process. Yeah. Um, I've gone through the process myself. And now I've learned like what good support looks like. And then I've I've also tried some other avenues like before I had like the major injury mm-hmm. I've, I've seen what not so great looks like <laughs> but just being the person that I am I just like always try to look like what can I do differently what can I do better how can I heal faster if that's a thing um yeah. but really it comes down to like consistency and and like I said surrounding with a good team um and having the support in a lot of different ways, like physically, mentally, yeah, um, just not just relying on hope, <laughs> like hope is hope is not a good strategy. Yeah. Um, knowing that you have to have a process in place, you have to trust a team, you have to trust, um, numbers. And that's where I think a lot of like the analytics that you guys use, uh, to keep track of, are you really ready? Are you, are you ready to go back? Mm-hmm. Um, are you ready to progress to the next stage in your yeah. rehab? Um those are all really important things that I think get overlooked that I've seen like in our high school athletes. Everybody wants to get back and they want to be on the court. They want to be on the field. They want to be on the track as soon as they can, and they need somebody to tell them, and usually you can use the numbers to tell them mm-hmm. like we're not quite quite there yet or. We are there, but let's take it easy as we progress forward. Um, Just because I wouldn't wish what I went through on anybody, Um, but it's possible to get through it. And like I said, just surround yourself with people that you trust that you're going to be better on the other side of it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure that that has to, I mean, like you said, you've literally kind of walked this walk that some of your athletes have experienced that you've supported you, know, after having experienced this on your own, you know, I think historically coaches are kind of like person like, Oh, hurry up and get back. Like, you know, push, push, push. And I would think that from your experience that has helped you probably give your players some perspective if they're coming back from injury or, you know, when you're asking them, are they ready? Or how do we know you're ready and things like that. I'm sure after having gone through the more significant injury of your ACL I would assume that that had some level of effect of how you approach or kind of discuss things with your players after having experienced it yourself.
1: Yeah. Learning about the ACL process, a lot of it was just like, why do we spend so much time doing single leg work? Why do we spend so much time strengthening hips? And I will take the complaining, nagging, whining um, all athlete. of it, just ignore it all. Yeah, I will take that every day of the week. Like, listen, you can cry to me all you want, but I would much rather take that on this end than have to support you through an injury right. later on. Yeah, um, but
0: that time and effort is uh, like an investment in their wellness.
1: Yeah, and I mean the best of the best aren't the way they are because they do fancy drills or right. do everything crazy. They they do the basics and they do them really well and they do them yeah. consistently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, no, I think it, it definitely, I just think it's like, once you've experienced a significant injury on your own. And like you said, like even dealing with like the identity change that goes on at times, you know, as you watch someone experience a significant injury, you know, to be able to level with someone like that, because you've experienced it, you know, and significant is a significant injury. You know, that's, that's a, broad statement you know because a big ankle sprain could feel like a big injury a knee injury could feel like a big injury a concussion could feel like a big injury but you know anything that really kind of pulls you away from what you know is part of your identity especially in the high school space can be a very challenging experience and you know to have a coach who can say i've been there i get you i mean that has to mean the world to them you know, no matter what your relationship is, is have someone that understands that it's more than just a ligament tear that happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, and then finding them because there's so many ways that they can still be involved. I mean, I remember getting exercises like the day after surgery and like, there's things that you can think about that you didn't know were possible. You thought you just had to lay there and just sit sit around for eight weeks while you're on crutches, um, but that's not always the best plan, and each each case is so unique, but yeah, support the kid, support the person, mm-hmm. do whatever that person needs in order to to kind of get to the next level.
0: Absolutely, and I will say in comment to all the single leg strength, I'll have to check with Brett, but you might still be our record holder for a number of single leg squats straight. <laughs> I went, yeah, was it, 80 it. something? <laughs> it was pretty high.
1: Yeah, I remember uh it gave me something to work toward, anyways.
0: Yeah, it was impressive. So for anyone that's listening to this podcast, I highly recommend trying to do, I want to say it was like 86 for some reason, but um try doing 86 single-leg squats to a bench and tell us how you feel, and then we'll chat. <laughs> it's it's truly an impressive feat. It actually spurred an entire staff challenge as you were going through your rehab and crushing it that we were like, Oh man, this guy is only like seven months post ACL and here we all are healthy. We should probably get on our horse.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, it's definitely a
1: unique uh, exercise that can be quickly humbling if you don't uh, keep at it.
0: Absolutely. But good, gr- good that you guys embrace it. Um, that's for sure. Uh, and, and that's an important thing and very valuable things for them to learn, um, you know, and like learning why, you're making them do it. You know, I mean that the why is just as, as important as doing it at times, you know, if if they understand why, and you know, they, once they're done with high school soccer and, you know, playing club, playing college, whatever, if they have an understanding of why these things were so valuable to you as a coach and to them as a team, they'll take those things with them once they are no longer playing with you. You know, that's what I think is pretty cool. If you really give them the whys in the house and help them, like you said, understand the process, Um, that's tangible knowledge that goes with them. You know, so, and I laugh because you talk about like them all crying to you about why you have to do all these like planks and single leg squats. And I now treat a countless former collegiate athletes of mine who all used to complain and moan and groan on the sidelines to everything that I made them do. And let me tell you, the first thing they do when they come in, they're like, oh, remember that hip work we used to do? Can I do that? I'm like, see, I told you. I told you it was important. (laughs) So, But that's college guys. They all just like to complain anyway. So they got to have something to complain to me about. But it definitely, it's sustainable knowledge is worth its weight in gold. I would say. And you never know when and where they're going to get it from. And that's definitely one place where when you're doing it all the time, you're showing them that it is valuable. And I think that's super important. So kind of piggybacking on, um, you, you getting hurt. Um, so to be transparent, we were very lucky to be your care provider in those situations. And not that I ever want to have to, I'd rather I saw everyone healthy and just had a grand old time, but you know, um, I appreciate that you selected that you would work with us so we could provide you with your rehab and kind of work through that process with you. And we really love being there with you every step of the way. I think I actually got the phone call, maybe not even an hour after it happened <laughs> that you needed to be seen. And you were in my office, I think that day. Uh, so we could take a look at that knee. Um, you know, which is kind of in a unique part of our process, I think, to be able to be seen in that situation. Um, but, you know, what I kind of want to touch base with you on is is, I mean, you guys as teachers, you have great coverage. You have options to go to kind of standard orthopedic clinics. Like, why why drive probably what 45 minutes to come see us maybe an hour sometimes why drive so far why do the financial investment to choose to see an out network provider why go through all that what what made you make certain decisions about your care and what you felt was important to you i guess to sum it up in
1: one word it was just education um the more i learn about the strength and conditioning world, the more I learn about how the body works and ages and recovers. Um, I've tried bad workout routines. I've tried, um, like different places that I had covered, like free PT. Just, I just wanted to go in just to become a better athlete. I just went in, tried it and didn't like it. It didn't, kind of vibe with the, the style that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And the more I learn about uh, like what a great PT does or what a great clinic um, helps you do, the more I see like the big picture, like not only are you there to support athletes or people that are like injured within sport, but you're also teaching them like you, your word was before sustainable. Like I want to be able to Kneel onto the floor and play with my grandkids someday. Or I want to be able to go sledding with my daughter. I want to be able to do all the things that life will throw at me. Like as a coach, I want to be able to warm up the goalkeepers. I want to be able to jump in a drill or demonstrate. Mm -hmm. I always want to have that option and learning the process, learning like all of the exercises that help you be healthy, help you be ready I think are kind of keys to keeping that longevity piece of it Absolutely. you're not just in there for five minutes and you you get thrown some exercises and then you're seen a couple weeks later it is no this is what I want you to do this is how often you should do it and this is why because that's what's gonna kind of help throughout and I feel like I have the tools now or some of the tools to kind of help me get through. A lot of things and then rely on um like your team to help tweak things to, to get me get me rolling when when i get knocked down again
0: absolutely when i think that you know i think uh, i think after having worked with teams and athletes on a regular basis and like i said helping them understand the why's you know the why is in the house it makes the it helps you like why do i care about this exercise that i absolutely dislike right now <laughs> like why why should i have to put myself through this discomfort like i think when people are taught the purpose behind things um you know stuff like that it helps them embrace it more especially when the process is hard um and i think you can speak to this too like wellness is a commitment it's not just a show up Make me feel better. That's it. Move on. You know, um, I always joke that we say that my rehab became my warm up, you know, because some of the stuff that we did that we focused on now, one to two sets, that becomes your warm up before you go do something. Why? Because you've learned the value of caring and preparing your body, you know, and things like that. Or like you're saying, taking these exercises that you did during your rehab and turning them into your workout routine now, you know, so that way you're creating this constant maintenance on your body. So that way it's not going to trek backwards. It's only going to help propel you forwards, you know, but I think that, um, you know, it should be viewed as a process where you're learning and growing and coming out better on the other side of it, even though no one ever wants to go through an injury. Like think about how much you learned in that year plus. Um, I mean, you worked with Dr. Brett, who's an incredible programmer, the things you probably learned from your lifts alone had to have been insane.
1: Yeah. I learned uh, (laughs) how to suffer, uh, suffer a little bit better. Uh, Putting (laughs) a VFR cuff on and (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's suffer now or suffer later. Like you you learn these, these tough exercises and learn to embrace it makes Mm -hmm. you a little bit mentally tougher knowing you can, you can do some of that. Um, But then it avoids the, the suffering on the other end of yeah I'm to worry about it
0: absolutely so kind of looking back on your rehab what are some reflections that you have and something that you might share or maybe that you have shared with um and a player of yours that has had an ACL injury or an athlete that you've talked to that's had an ACL injury what are some of your reflections you share with them
1: I think one of the biggest pieces is just consistency with some of those basic things like, mini band work, like hip strengthening, um, single leg. And it doesn't have to be tons of weight. It doesn't have to be um, heavy metal music in the weight room, smashing plates together. Um, I think like seeing the high school girls jump in and find confidence in the weight room um, in a sea full of football players who were so comfortable in there to begin with. and watching a high school girl like do a body weight exercise that a guy who just squatted 500 pounds couldn't do. Like <laughs> just knowing that like everyone has their own recipe yeah. for success and it all depends on what your goals are. Um, But yeah, there's, there's no, there's not like one way to do it, but um, you can be like just as, as worked doing a body weight exercise as you can um, putting a bunch of weight on the bar
0: absolutely well I think the, a whole process like that like kind of what you're saying it's like perspective you know and there's a lot of ways to do it and there's a lot of ways to be successful and I think and you could probably talk to the fact that it like you said we've talked about this multiple times in so many different aspects of your life you know it's a process ACLs are a process you know day one, is like devastation day where you realize what's going on and you're going to trudge up this mountain. Right. And it probably feels like the biggest mountain you've ever climbed. Um, you know, and helping people gain perspective from what you've experienced and helping them understand that. Yeah. Just like you said, there's no one run re- one recipe. There's no one right way, but you know, you will get through this. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I told you, I was like, we got you. We're going to get through this. Um, But that, you know, it's, it's, it's a long road. And I think the more you are honest about it and the more people can find others who have been through it to help them just know, like, it's a long road, but you will get there, you know? And I think that's important to have a figure like you, a coaching figure that people look up to, to be able to lean on that and hear someone like you say that.
1: Yeah. in like a social media instant gratification world, like, yeah, there's just there's just no easy button. Um, mm-hmm. If you want something, you have to work for it. You have to go after yep. it um, in chemist in the chemistry classroom, on the soccer field, like in life, like you always have to put in the work. Yep. Um, and I mean, it's just a lesson that translates through, through all these things. So if you can find consistent routines and you're, and you're used to that, that process of just being the one who work outworks everybody, I mean, success is the, is going to happen.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Okay. So back to the fun stuff. So we've won multiple state championships now share with us, um, like, what do you think your quote recipe for success is? And I use that term lately because nobody likes to really hang their hat on that book. What, what makes Muskego successful? What makes Muskego Girl soccer successful?
1: Um, I think we, we surround our program with this like person greater than player mantra or um, I, I read it, a book by Brett Ledbetter. It's called what drives winning um, his, his program kind of taught me a lot about just different ways to support the person and and how it works in the professional space and how it works in a lot of different areas and I think the girls have appreciated um that we do it that way because they they feel appreciated they feel heard um, we talk through a lot of a lot of things together um and that way we know how hard we can push them what they can take and when to when to hold back and when to kind of take it easy a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, But trying to get to know them as people and caring about them um, more about who they are and what they like to do rather than how many goals they score or if they started or if they're on this team or that team. Um, It's it's a process and a lot of people look at it from the outside and try to make their judgments. But I think within the inside, we – We try to have the conversations to show that we care. And I think that's, that's the difference is just kind of listening and, and having some fun with it.
0: Absolutely. And that's an important part too having fun with it. I think sometimes people get so caught up in intensity and drive to win. Like it still has to be enjoyable, you know, like that's, that's an important part not to forget as you're looking at the bigger picture of everything too. Um Mesquite has produced a lot of really good players in recent years as well. You've had a handful go to division one, a handful of girls play college soccer across the board. What do you think has contributed to that in recent years?
1: I think it is a kind of unification of high level club. Um, Some of these coaches are the best in the area, the best in the nation, even like they're great coaches. They teach them a lot about soccer a lot of technical work. They start at a young age. Um, they help these kids develop where I can't. Um, I, I don't get to see them at the younger years, and I only get to see them for a short period in the spring. But they teach them so much about the game. And then once they come to high school, I'm there to maybe supplement a little bit of my philosophy. But I think kind of bring all of these resources together that we have as high school, as a high school, um, bringing you guys in, bringing, um, the camaraderie of going to class and jumping right out and playing soccer and doing the team dinners and mm-hmm. wearing the shirts to school and jerseys, like just kind of hooping it all together into, um, kind of one big program Yeah, helps make it a lot more fun. And, um, it helps us Kind of find success along the way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, so, if you were talking to other up and coming coaches, let's say in the high school space, what advice would you share with them?
1: Collaborate. Um, Collaborate with great coaches in every aspect of the sport that you think is important. And give some things a try that you maybe don't even think are important something new um like how we connected um, doesn't necessarily have to be soccer related but yeah. get involved a lot of the new um like coaching education they have some national um courses or conventions things where they're exposing soccer coaches to, all the other aspects of being an athlete Mm -hmm. and the more we can bring all those parts together, I think is, is a win for everybody uh, because we're now creating like multi-sport athletes that are able to do a lot of great things and they're just helping to support the future of the program as well.
0: I agree. I totally agree. Okay. So now we have a fun lightning round. So these are questions that Lance doesn't know that I, that I do know, but helps us get to know him a little bit. So they're fun. I promise. I won't bite. Um, So first one, you're an outdoors guy and you like to sometimes go out and get lost in the outdoors. What are some of your like favorite kind of peaceful hidden spots that you like to go to? Um,
1: Elk hunting in like the Western States, Like Idaho, Wyoming, Colorado, just going out with a backpack and a tent and maybe a good friend and trying my hand at the outdoors.
0: There you go. I like that. Uh, If you weren't going to be a chemistry teacher, what would you have been?
1: I would probably be somewhere in the trades world, maybe like landscaping, uh, construction, something like that.
0: It'll be outdoors. Shocker. Yeah. Um favorite professional team?
1: I don't really watch professional sports. I don't oh. really watch sports in general, which is kind of odd. Like a lot of the other coaches don't really connect with that. But I would I like to watch the women's national team. I've seen yeah. a few of their games. If anybody if I'm watching anybody, that's that's who I'm watching. Growing up in Green Bay, I'm supposed to watch the Packers, but not my thing. <laughs>
0: Be your own person, Lance. Be your own person. <laughs> um, so this is uh, this is actually a question that Brett brought onto the podcast one year, and I've kept it. So if you were going to be stuck on a desert island for the rest of your life, what two foods would you bring?
1: <laughs> um, I would say elk steak. Um, we'll go with that one. And then maybe we'll throw something kind of weird in there. Some places call it Israeli couscous. Some call it pearlized couscous. Okay, uh, but that I think that's a good side for it. So just something a little little unique. Okay. Otherwise, dark dark chocolate. If I had to, <laughs> if really... you had to
0: have a default, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Okay, um, one of your least favorite PT exercises you had to do.
1: Um, what's that fancy machine that kicks out and then the spring comes back? Um, oh, the
0: one where the one where it's, it's on, the, on a wheel
1: uh, like that. Yeah. It,
0: the K box.
1: Yeah, that thing. <laughs> I that thing is uh is interesting.
0: So, for those of you that don't know, the K box resists you in and out, so you're basically never getting a break as to how hard your body is working. And when you get off it, your legs are smoked. And the
1: harder you kick out, oh, the harder it kicks back in. So yeah. then it's like there's no the science
0: works against you <laughs> for what it does.
1: Yeah, you gotta have a good smooth motion.
0: <laughs> yep. There's definitely some blood, sweat, and tears that goes into those ones for sure. Um okay, so last one. I steal this one from Mike Mike Robertson all the time. If you were to look back at a younger version of you. What's maybe one piece of advice you would have given yourself? We're going to end on a deep one.
1: (laughs) I would definitely try to dive into the strength training world earlier. Yeah. Um, Just never had that opportunity throughout until I got into college. Totally. Um, And then just kind of learning like a wide variety of things to help like Kind of, they could kind of use the word cross training. Like I didn't learn to swim like laps until then, like just learning other ways to stay healthy and kind of live that healthy lifestyle. So that when I go out and do the things that I love to do, I can do them better. I can feel better doing them and just enjoy them more.
0: Absolutely. No, it's like, not to sound like an old person, but you're like, if I knew then what I knew now, but it's so true. Like, honestly, I mean, I think we, with the way that sports science and sports medicine and all this stuff has gone, like we, I would have been a significantly different athlete than had I known the things that I know now, you know, and you're right. It's like, it gives you so many more options and things to know and how to take care of yourself and how to find balance, you know, and all that stuff. So I think that's, that's really true and a really good point. So, um, Thank you for being here with us today. Um, you can learn more about Lance's team on social media is probably your best bet, would you say?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah at- like Muskego GS.
0: Okay. Muskego GS. And I think Instagram is Muskego.girls.soccer. So if you ever want to check out, um, they post a lot about their players and where they're heading off to right now because some of them just did their college signings. And things like that. So lots of exciting things. And obviously as season comes up here in the spring, be able to track their success and where we go with it. Um, but uh thank you, Lance, for sharing both your personal stories and your coaching stories and your chemistry stories with us. Glad you didn't light the whole place on fire, just you know, self-fire alarm a few times. Again, you're you're the better chemist than I. So definitely glad it's you and not me. <laughs> but oh, um for thank me you. On. Yeah. No, thank you so much. And, um, thanks for joining us today on the Milwaukee sports performance podcast. I hope you enjoyed getting to know more about Mosquito girls soccer and head coach Lance Matthews, like I did. And we will see you on the next podcast. Hey, wait a second. Do you have a teammate or friend that's going through ACL rehab right now? We would love
1: to help them. Quite frankly, the state of ACL rehab in this country is not great right now, with many athletes never returning fully to play at a high level and undergoing a second ACL injury quite commonly. We have a free online ACL masterclass that tells athletes and families everything that they need to know step-by-step from the time of surgery until their return to the field to help them get back, perform at a high level with a reduced risk of injury. This online class is totally free and you can sign up for it at the link in our bio at kinetic underscore SMP or at the link in the show notes of this podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you would share this with anyone that we could help recover from this injury.